The hardest thing for me to do in my current spate of projects is that for the space opera, I, I really want the captain to be non-binary. And I want them to have all of the qualities that you would expect from a hero in a space opera. And I'm trying to figure out how to do that without coding them male or female. Because as someone who is non-binary, I find myself lacking the language that I'm wanting or needing to make this character come alive. So let's talk about that on today's episode of Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and I'm wanting to write a non-binary hero, and it's probably the most stressful thing I've ever done in my entire writing career. And that includes when I decided to blow it up by writing the gayest gay novel that has ever gayed in the history of gaydom. Because I was frustrated and angry. Yeah. So, I really want to talk about this because... I don't think that there are any resources out there to discuss a topic as broad as the non-binary community, people, identity. Again, I, I, I'm, I want to say community or I want to say people because I have a little Larry Kramer in the back of my head that tells me to say people. And he's very specific about that because he really argued that if we as queer folk did not claim our identity and join together, then we were making ourselves vulnerable to those who would, you know, wish to see us harmed or worse. And as somebody who lived through the AIDS crisis, especially at its beginning, when there was a plague going through the land and an unfeeling Republican government. Let people die because they just didn't care. I can see where he's coming from. And as somebody who is, again, living through a similar scenario, but with a uh, <laughs> virus that is killing everybody, oh, it's horrible to watch history rhyme in this terrible way that it's doing right now. But... I, I I don't know how to talk about non-binary non folk. I don't. And that's really troubling because I consider myself non-binary. I, I am very much more on the femme side, so I kind of lean to one side. But, you know, for the most part, yeah, I, I, I am non-binary. And there isn't a lot of language available to me that isn't tainted. And that's problematic. <laughs> it's problematic on several levels. One, you don't see a lot of stories with non-binary protagonists, especially stories of the type that I'm wanting to write, where they're depicted not only as a 
protagonist, but as a hero. I mean, this is my James T. Kirk. This is my Jean-Luc Picard. This is my Catherine Janeway. So I really want this character to stand out as a hero so that people can hopefully learn to see non-binary folk as heroes, as people that could be heroes, as people that they could identify with regardless of whether they consider themselves non-binary or not. Because that is the biggest flaw in our community existence right now, is that there is a large proportion of the population that cannot or does not understand an issue until it confronts them. They don't care about queer people until they have a queer person in their family. They don't care about trans people until they have a trans person in their family. They don't care about non-binary people until, yeah, you guessed it, they have a non-binary person in their family. And I want this character to be cool. I want this character to be exciting. I want this character to be fun. And I don't want them to be a learning experience. See, this is where I feel really tossed up in writing this story. And I've thrown away about eight different starts because they felt like a tutorial character. (laughs) Every time I tried to write them, I felt like I had to sit down and explain to the audience, this is what a non-binary person is. And mm, one that violates the, you know, golden adage, because it's not really a rule. It's just something that We authors like to say to shame each other, show, don't tell. And I I, I feel like taking time away from the story to sit the audience down and go, now this character is non-binary. That is why they use they, them pronouns. A non-binary person, dot, 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 dot. Yeah. I don't want to have to explain and suddenly you know, divert from the story in a way that will turn off a lot of, you know, cishet readers, cisgendered heterosexual readers. And so I, I struggled for a long time and found myself starting to wonder about using things that I don't know if they're tropes yet. I mean, they were tropes as far as, uh, how non-conforming people were treated in the past, where I found myself wanting to use genderless names. This character needs to have a genderless name because they're from the future and they are from a society that that recognizes four genders for humans so that you have male, female, non-binary, and agender as the four genders. And Within those, those are kind of seen as umbrella terms and under which everything else falls. Not maybe the best system, but I think it's one that's easy to explain or grasp for a cisgendered heterosexual audience that is used to heteronormative stories. And so I found myself trying to reinforce this idea that this character is non-binary by giving them a unisex name. Now it wasn't Pat or Chris or any of those names, but I found myself exclusively looking at 
unisex names. And that felt wrong. It, it really did. Because, like, in my own case, my, my birth name is Charles Eric. That, that's the name that I was given, that I was assigned at birth when I was assigned male at birth. And it was my choice, my personal choice, to use the name Charlie. And that, that is a diminutive of my first name, Charles. And it's one that actually means a lot to me. I, I have a very strong connection to my grandfather and my father, who are also Charles's. I, I'm the third person in my family in a direct line to have that name. And so it's a name that means something to me. And it's also a name that doesn't have a lot of baggage for me because I used to go by my name, by, by my middle name, because there were two other Charles's in the family. So I, I went by Eric. And if you actually go back to early episodes of this podcast, I, I introduced myself as Eric and I was, that's who I was. And so in my own experience, I actually used a part of my own name. And I think that that experience is not commonly shown because a lot of non-binary people and a lot of trans people do change their name. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you do not have a strong connection to your name, it's your name, change it, make it your own. But, you know, I can only write from my own experience. And that doesn't mean that I can't write things outside of my experience, but especially when it comes to being non-binary, I don't want to be somebody trying to speak for the entire community, at least not at this point. I don't feel comfortable at that point, trying to say, like, I am speaking for all non-binary folk. Because we're still trying to figure this thing out. And so I wanted to create a character that would use their birth name and feel a connection to their birth name for reasons. Because that's something that I identify really strongly with. And I thought it would be fun to include that in the story. And then, of course, came the self-doubt. Well, people are going to come after me because all trans people and all non-binary people change their names. And many non-binary people change their names to unisex names so that they are not representing themselves as either masculine or feminine. And yeah, that, that's true. But do I have to do that? And that's where I started self-policing. And not in like an SJW kind of a way or any of those other cliches that come in. It's just that I started looking at all of the different aspects of this character through an extremely hypercritical lens. I was looking at them as a problem that needed to be solved. And they're not a problem. They're a character. In trying to bring this character to life, a character that I'm sure exists out there somewhere. I, I, I try to hunt down books with queer characters and especially with trans and non-binary characters, and they're not often easy to find. And those that are often aren't in genres that I enjoy reading. So it, it's been hard for me to immerse myself into worlds that have characters like the ones that I'm wanting to write in them. And if you have any recommendations, please share them with me. That would be so helpful, and I would be ever, forever grateful. 
But, you know, trying to find strong trans and non-binary characters in science fiction and fantasy has been a bit of a challenge. And so it caused me to have this kind of double whammy inside my own head, where on the one side, I was afraid of betraying my community by writing this character too much from my own experience and not trying to make them some kind of universal cipher for all trans persons. Kind of a, I don't know, an every person that could stand in and be that character for all, all non-binary people. I don't think that character exists. Because non-binary, like being male or female, is not rigidly defined. You see, what does it mean to be male or female? There's a spectrum of masculinity and a spectrum of femininity and a spectrum of non-binariness. I I know quite a few non-binary people who have beards and wear makeup, which is how they present as non-binary. And there's nothing wrong with that. I personally can't stand my own facial hair and dream of the day that I can afford to have it removed. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I got distracted there thinking of the <laughs> some future time in which I will not have to shave my face anymore. But yeah, we, we present differently. We understand ourselves differently because we're individuals. We're different kinds of people, all of us. No two men, masculine, the same. No two females, feminine the same. And no two non-binaries, non-binary the same. And that's something that's been really hard for me to internalize because I, I have taken some heat in the past because of how I've written queer characters because, well, many of the queer characters are based off of the queer people that I know. They're based off of me and my friends. And well, yeah, I used to hang out in a lot of clubs and I knew a lot of club goers and a lot of drag queens. And that that is that sort of ultra non-heteronormative queerness is something that I am much more comfortable writing than a heteronormative queer couple or even a heteronormative queer person. Because I, I, I don't know that many. I know a couple. I'm actually related to one. My brother-in-law and his I think they're still boyfriends. I don't think they got married. I know there was some talk about that, but there that's family stuff. There's a lot. I'm not going to go into it, but, um, <laughs> you know, and I don't think that all queer characters need to be written the same, but because this character feels so important to me, and I'm not saying they're important because I am going to make the first trans hero that there's going to be a TV series or a movie made about, and they're going to be the representative of all non-binary people for all the not non-binary people out there in the universe. No, I don't have such grand ambitions. I I don't think in those terms. But it's because I want to see a non-binary captain in a space opera series because... I want to see myself in a space opera series. There are very few characters that I've been able to truly identify with over the years. And I do because of 
you know, other aspects of them. My, my temper has often made me like Worf. My strange analytical mind has attracted me to both Data and Spock. My identity issues has always made Jedzia Dax and Odo very close to my heart. And to be quite honest, I've always had a fond place in my heart for um, Kira Norris because I have often in, in my own headcanon, she's non-binary. She very, very rarely presents feminine. And so in my own headcanon, she's a non-binary character. And so because of her presenting in a very androgynous way, when, from the time I was a child watching the show, when it originally aired, I felt a strong connection to her. But she's not a non-binary character. That's just headcanon. She is a fem- feminine character. She's a female character. And, you know, I'm reading her queerness because the Mirror Mirror version of her is bisexual. And so I presume that she is as well. I don't know that she is. It's never brought up in the stories, in the canon stories. But in my head, she's a queer, non-binary hero. But I want to see that character. And they're very important to me to get right. And I've had people to take me to task because I'm in my 40s. And so when I think of non-binary, I often think of androgyny. Androgyny to me is one of the things that I aspire to. I love it when people get confused about my gender because they don't know if they should say sir or ma'am. And I often, you know, depending on how safe I feel, I will correct them and say ma'am because I do prefer feminine terms most of the time. But I, that, that's me. I want to see, not me, I don't want a, an, a, an, a surrogate in the story. I just want to see a non-binary character that I can be proud of. And on top of being proud of them, I want them to be sexy. Because, let's face it, the heroes of most space operas are dead sexy. That, that's like a big part of it. Think about it. Even with the big popular ones, right? I mean, Kirk got all the ladies, Right? Picard got all the ladies. So did a lot of the people on The Next Generation, right? The big space operas right now. Thor, dead sexy. We can go through the cast of the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Dead sexy. I I want them to be sexy. And so when I think of a sexy non-binary character, I'm thinking of like early David Bowie. I'm thinking in those terms of that androgyny. That almost, not, not quite glam rock, that's, that's almost to an extreme version of what I'm saying, you know, going into glam rock or hair, hair metal, but, you know, that kind of androgynous sexy that we had in the 80s with Annie Lennox and, you know, I, I, I want to bring that in there because that's something that I want this character to have. I want them to have a love life. I want them to be sexy. I don't want them to be the non-binary eunuch that's in the story like Pat or any of those other characters that came before. 
I want them to be what I, everything I've always wanted to see. And so my own expectations are what's holding me back. And I've written numerous drafts with variant characters trying to stand in in that role. And the reason I'm talking about it today is yesterday, I think I actually found the character that is going to be my hero, my lead in the book. I started writing them. They chose a name that I am okay with. I think it's going to cause some people to be a little apoplectic with me. I'm not going to tell you their name yet, but I, I, yeah, I, I'm very happy. I, I like the scene that I wrote. I am planning on writing more. And I'm very excited with how this is working. Because I think I finally found my character. Because that's the thing that I have to bear in mind is they're my character. Not everybody's going to like them. And that's okay. But I have to like them. Which means I have to start asking myself all kinds of very difficult questions like, what do I want to see in a non-binary hero? How do I want them to act? How do I want them to behave? How do I want them to present their non-binariness in a way that makes me happy? And so that's what I'm doing. And I hope it works. I, I am kind of hoping to find some alpha readers that I can throw chapters at in very rough, rough states to get a, get a feel of how other people are taking the character. But, you know, let me know if you're interested and we'll figure out some way to get those early drafts out. And don't worry, just like I said yesterday, just because I'm working on the space opera now, I'm still actually working on the princess rescue squad. I'm working on all of it. I'm just working through ideas as they present themselves. Alrighty. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean. I would love to hear from you. If you have any, if, well, I'm sorry, if you'd rather hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, I'm C. Dorset on both. You can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. Also in the show notes, you'll find a link to my Patreon and the listener support. Thank you to everyone who does that. It really means the world to me. And don't worry about it. I'm not expecting like people to jump in right now. I, I get that times are tough, but you know, these podcasts live for a while, I'm learning. And, you know, I want to make sure I'm listing it. So thank you to everybody who is doing that and we'll do that in the future. Um, if you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like giving, that's perfectly all right. But if you know anybody you think would like any of the work that I'm doing, please share it with them. That helps out more than you know. Alrighty. That's it for me today. Don't forget, Friday is the big 1,000th episode spectacular. And until later, stay well, stay safe, and don't forget to have the fun. Bye. <laughs>